0: Hey New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifeGillette.com. Here is this week's teaching. Hey Amen. Good morning. How was Thanksgiving? Did the trip to fan wear off? Are still sleeping? Trip fan and that stuff in Turkey. Speaking of Turkey, I made a, a re, real. I had a revelation this week. We need a holiday for which the primary food is steak. I mean, turkey is probably like fifth or sixth in line of meats that I would choose. And it's got to be really good turkey before it even counts as meat. I don't know. Like, we need steak at a holiday. I don't know. What, it, what, what holiday should we make our steak holiday? Every holiday? Okay, cool. Somebody said 4th of July. That makes sense. Yeah. Father's Day? That's a good one. Let's. I, I vote Christmas because that's next. So, Christmas. Hey, let me say welcome to those of you who are watching on churchreal7.com. Uh, To the guys over at the prison, thanks for joining us. To our friends over at the jail, and those of you who are here in the room. We are in a series today, speaking of Father's Day, we're talking about good, good Father. And not just any Father, the Father, the Heavenly Father, our perfect Heavenly Father. And what does being in a relationship with a perfect Father mean for us in the rest of our lives? Today's message is going to be a little bit more heavy than what I would usually preach. And um, it's going to be more difficult for some than for others. So I wanted to start off with something a little more light-hearted. And I, I want to talk about today the great fathers of our day. When you think about great fathers, you think about people like... First slide. Bob Saget. You know? Okay, maybe not bad. Danny Tanner. Right, the full house, Bob Saget. Yeah, you're right. Bob Saget, stand up comedy. Bob Saget is filthy, dirty. Okay, maybe he's not the best choice to go with. Let's talk about somebody else. Maybe somebody a little more wholesome, like Homer Simpson. Maybe is this how we should pattern our father, father and behavior? No. Okay, maybe not. But at least he entertains us. What about Bill Cosby? Now that you know. <laughs> good dad too soon or uh Walter white anyone I mean he did sacrifice for his kids but uh, I don't know if it was if he did a good job okay w- w- maybe we don't have a lot of great examples of fatherhood in celebrity culture but you got to admit the last one the greatest father of all Darth Vader I am your father. Now, the reality is our culture has a lack of evidence of good fathering, quality fathering. A lot of what you see in our society as breakdowns, as problems, as issues in our society can be largely attributed to poor fathering. And the truth is many of us in this room have experienced different father wounds, now, on differing levels, some people have very deep wounds. They had very bad fathers that, that hurt them a lot. Other people, it's just kind of an accidental wound that fathers created in our lives. But all of us, in one way or another, have some kind of father wound, or other people call them daddy issues or father complex. There's different words for the results that we experience as a result of mistakes that our fathers made. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, this sermon does not apply to me because my dad was great. My dad was awesome, so it doesn't really apply to me. Well, I want to say three things to you. Number one, I don't think you fully understand how much your father's actions affected you in your life, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Number two, th- this sermon is really ultimately about forgiveness and how to forgive our fathers. And that is a message that all of us can uh, learn from. All of us have someone we need to forgive. And number three, your dad wasn't perfect. Like he he definitely was not perfect. So he caused some issues, some pain. And I think recognizing that pain or those wounds can help you heal from them and grow as a result of them. There's a, a... Psychologists who said our ability to sustain satisfying or committed relationships, find, grat- find gratification in our work life, be effective parents, speak up and assert ourselves is usually largely dependent on the relationship we had and have with our fathers. All of life is impacted by our relationship with our earthly fathers. If you have an unhealthy relationship or if you have a tendency to surround yourself with unhealthy people or people that hurt you, it might because you have not properly dealt with your father wounds. That's one of the issues that most people who have father wounds deal with, unhealthy relationships in their lives. And the most important relationship of your life, your relationship with God is the relationship that is most affected by your relationship with your earthly father. It is harder to have a healthy relationship with God if you had an unhealthy relationship with your dad. Last week, we talked about how 25, only 25% of Christian children who go off and leave the home, only 25% of them stay faithful to the faith that their parents taught them. 75% of those who leave the home at, and were raised Christian, 75% turn their back on their faith. But I want to talk a little bit more this week about, let's dig deeper into those numbers. What is causing that? Here's an even more startling statistic. Did you know that only 2% of children whose dads do not go to church end up carrying their faith with them for the rest of their lives? Only 2% if your dad doesn't go to church with you. But 44% of kids whose dad do regularly attend church with them end up staying faithful to the church for the rest of their lives. 2% if dad doesn't go to church, 44% if dad does go to church. What does that tell us? The way our fathers interact with us and the way they treat us, the things that they do in our lives are incredibly impactful. And largely they are impactful in our spiritual relationships, in our relationship with God. The primary factor in transmission of faith between generations is a warm relationship with the Father. And here's what most people say about those 75% that turn their back on God. What most people say is, well, they saw the light. They saw the truth. They did some research. They discovered science. They discovered philosophy. And they realized that that God stuff is stupid. If that's true, then why would the number be so Incredibly affected by a relationship. The truth is, most people who turn their back are not doing so because they discovered some new truth, because they did some research. Almost everyone who turns their back on what they believed are doing it for emotional reasons, because they were emotionally affected by a relationship. People aren't leaving the faith because it's not true, they're leaving the faith because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel true. So I'm going to pursue my feelings, my truth. So what does that mean for us, dads? Dads, we have a huge responsibility. The way we affect our kids does not only affect their lives and how they live their life, it affects whether they go to heaven or hell. But it also means we have a great opportunity. What an incredible blessing we have received in the opportunity to raise our children, to lead them in the path that they should go. You know, before Jesus came to earth, God gave this message through the prophet Malachi. He said, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He says, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah. If you know the Old Testament, you know, wait a minute, this is Malachi. Elijah came long before Malachi. Malachi. Well, what Malachi is doing in this passage is he's using Elijah as a metaphor and he's actually prophesying John the Baptist. If you read the whole chapter, you realize he's talking about this prophet is going to come and prepare the way of the Messiah. And that's exactly what John the Baptist did, right? Remember when John the Baptist arrives on the scene right before Jesus does, John the Baptist goes to the world and he says, listen, the Messiah is coming. So get ready, be prepared, prepare the way of the Lord, repent of your way and follow his way. When he comes, follow him. That's what John the Baptist said. And John the Baptist, his preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. So what's going, this is a strange thing to say about Jesus and his message. His message is going to bring fathers and sons or their children together. You know, we often talk about our relationship with God as a personal relationship. Well, it's true. You can have a personal, in other words, you can yourself have a relationship with God, but you do not have your relationship with God in isolation. You have your relationship with God with the people you are in relationship with, whether they're Christians or not. You are in relationship with God with your family. You are in relationship with God with your life group you are in relationship with god with your friends it's not a relation it's not an isolationist relationship that's what the negative connotation of the word personal relationship with god can cause in us our relationship with god are communal it matters he says otherwise i will come and strike the land with a curse in other words if if fathers and ch- their children are not united the result is a curse so let's avoid that and today let's deal with our relationship issues nobody here had a perfect dad so we will all have some kind of father wound some wounds are worse than others but you cannot overcome or heal from a wound by ignoring it you, you have you cannot overcome these issues in your path past by trying to forget them you've got to deal with them So let's talk about the different kinds of wounds that we've experienced and the different kinds of dads that have caused those wounds. And as I go through this list, think about your dad. Does your dad fall into at least partially one of these categories? The first kind of dad is the tyrannical dad. His kids are never good enough. They don't behave enough. These dads have incredibly high expectations of their kids. Sometimes these dads become angry or even abusive towards their kids. And in the beginning, they might have great goals, but it ends up being selfish. It ends up about trying to look good by showing how perfectly well-behaved your kids are. They become super legalistic. And then there's the overbearing dad. The overbearing dad is always available. This is good about him. He's the first one to sign up for the PTA events. He'll go to your football game instead of watch a football game on TV. He's around. And man, when you succeed, he is there to cheer your success. But sometimes it's a little hard for him to hide it when you fail, to hide his disappointment. Sometimes he might put too much pressure on you to succeed and you begin to have this complex in which you believe that that you have to succeed and you have to improve and you have to, to earn love Or to prove that you deserve the love that was given to you. Or there's the hollow dad. This dad might be around physically, but emotionally, he's unavailable. He's hard. Maybe he's caught up in his work life, or caught up in his hobby, or some kind of entertainment. He's always looking at his phone. So he doesn't spend time, maybe he spends his time in the presence of his kids, but he doesn't spend time investing in his kids. Showing his children, teaching their, his children, passing off wisdom to his children. Then there's the in and out dad. The most common reason for this one is divorce. Shared custody. This happens all the time. This wound is almost present every time there is shared custody. You get this inconsistency thing. We talked about this two weeks ago. An inconsistency in parenting can cause tremendous pain in a child's life. They, they, they have a lack of security as a result of the in-and-out dad. They're there sometimes, not other times. Sometimes the kids of an in-and-out in dad get too excited to see their dad. They begin to idolize their dad in an unhealthy way because they don't see him enough that when they finally get around them, they celebrate too much. Then there's the absent dad. This one has extremes. This can be an absent dad because he got a girl pregnant and didn't want to have anything to do with the kid and ran off. Or it could be an absent dad because he died early in life. No no fault of his own. But as a result, the kids were left without a dad. And my guess is that as you read through this list, you can see your dad at least partially in one of these and probably more than one of these you can probably relate to the issues I've talked about today. So as you think about your dad, your temptation is to think, well, I was born into this world to this dad and I just got to live with it. He caused the pain he caused and that's just who I am. That's just my lot in life. I'm doomed. But we believe that's not true. The world wants to tell you that you are who you are. Look deeper within, in, in yourself and just embrace who you are. That's not the message of the Bible. The Bible says you can be healed. You can be changed. You can be made new. And that's the promise of healing we're going to embrace today. We are not destined to repeat the mistakes of our fathers. Our fathers affect us a lot. But if you had a bad dad, do not be a victim. Choose not to be a victim. Don't let your relationship with him be the determining factor, the, the defining characteristic of who you are. You are more than the pain that you experience. Your heavenly father can rescue you when your earthly father did not or could not. Can I give you some proof? It's found in the genealogy in the beginning of the book of Matthew. It's talking about all the descendants of Jesus Christ. And we're talking about generation after generation of father and son and father and son and father and son. And as we're reading through this genealogy, something stood out to me one time when I was reading through it. And I read this. It's right in the middle. It says, Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. So this is Jesus' family tree. And here in the middle of this genealogy is a bad dad. Rehoboam's a bad dude. You know the story about the splitting of the kingdoms. Is a bad dad begetting, can I see begetting? Like New King James Version, begetting. Begetting a bad son. So this is what you would expect. You got a bad dad, Rehoboam, producing a bad son, Abijah. And you assume that this is what will always happen as we go through this genealogy. Bad dads produce bad sons. Then we get to Abijah was the father of Asa. Something crazy has just happened. Abijah, bad dude, has a good son. This is proof that a bad dad can beget a good son, Asa. Asa's not perfect, but he's a good guy. A Bad dad can produce or beget a good son. And then you've got Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat, another, what you would experience. Asa, good dude, begat Jehoshaphat, good dude. You'd expect good father, good son. But then you get Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram, good dude, begetting bad dude. You are not destined to inherit your dad's unrighteousness and you are not destined to inherit your dad's righteousness. You got four generations here and back to back to back, it is disproving every necessity of some kind of chain of unrighteousness or righteousness in a family lineage. It can be broken. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do? If you had an unrighteous or unhealthy or a bad dad, what do you need to do to be set free from passing that on to the next generation? I wanna talk about some practical steps that we can take. The first thing I would say is change your identity. You know, one of the things about being born to a dad is you get their last name. And it is tempting for us to, do, to, to believe that because I got his last name, I am always attached to him and I can only ever be whatever that last name define, defines me as. You may still have his last name, and he may have made you miserable in the past, but that is your past. It is not who you are today. You have a new life. If you are a child of God, you are a new creation, made new, set free, new life, reborn. This whole idea. You have a new identity in Christ. And the primary characteristic of your, of your new life is a relationship with a perfect father. It's not who you are. It's not just something that, that changed in your life. It's not just a get out of hell free that you got, and so now you can call yourself a Christian, you are now in relationship with the God of the universe. So remove your dad's power over you. If God really is who he says he is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you're his child, then it's all that matters about you. It's the most important thing about you. Number two thing I would say is pray for your dad. Now, this is one of those Obey even when you don't understand commandments. This is going to be hard. He doesn't deserve you to pray for him. Now, maybe you'll pray at him. It's like, God, give him what he deserves. That's not the kind of prayer we're talking about. Pray for him. Jesus says this, love your enemies. Maybe your dad wasn't your enemy, but if you got to love even your enemies, then you definitely got to love him. Pray for those who persecute you. Maybe his persecution came intentionally or unintentionally. Pray for him. Why? Two reasons. One, it's gonna change your heart. It's gonna affect the way you feel, the way you see the world, it'll change your worldview. And we believe prayer changes things. It might even change your dad's heart. It might even supernaturally affect him. The third thing I would say is build relationships. First, build a relationship with God. That requires some work, communication. Build a relationship with God. But then also don't stop there. Build a relationship with others. You need good friends. They're going to support you when you struggle. You need a life group. Draw close to family members who do love you, who will treat you well. Build relationships because you're about to walk a very difficult journey towards forgiving your father. And you're going to need some support. Because often in our lives, father wounds have a way of eclipsing God. Because all I can see is my father didn't father me well, and so I have a hard time seeing the perfect father. I don't have a concept of what that is. What's an eclipse? An eclipse is when the moon blocks out our vision, our view of the sun. Right? Am I getting that right? So the moon blocks our view of the sun. Well, how is that possible? The moon is so much smaller than the sun. How can the moon block our view? It's because the moon is closer to us. This is what happens with father wounds. They're so raw. They're so emotional. They're so painful that sometimes those raw, real emotions keep us from seeing the sun. They keep us, they block our view of God. God is bigger. Sometimes it feels like the wounds are closer. So what do we do? Well, first of all, we draw close to God. We get as close to him as we can. And then we build relationship with friends and family members who will change our perspective. Will allow us to see things from a different angle. Will help us to see the big picture. You need a life group. Well, let me give a warning to those of you who have very deep father wounds. You will have a tendency in building relationships that is unhealthy. Sometimes you will look to people who will maybe lord their power over you and control you too much because of the way your father treated you. And so you draw close to unhealthy relationships because people mistreat you. Other people who have deep father wounds have a tendency to try to replace the relationship that they did not get from their father with a relationship with their friends. They become incredibly needy with their friends. Don't be needy. You are not going to get from them what your father did not give you. They don't owe that to you. Your father did owe it to you. But he didn't give it to you. Don't try to get it from them. The only one who can give you what your earthly father did not give you is your heavenly father. So the support that your friends can give you, the help that they can give you is help you grow closer to God. To help you build a relationship with, you, with your heavenly father. Don't try to get what your dad did not give you from your friends because all that will do is push them away. Then we get to the fourth step of our relationship with our fathers. It's the hard step, and it's forgive your father. Your father likely does not deserve your forgiveness because the instructions of scripture do not tell us to wait until your father comes groveling. Wait until your father asks for forgiveness and then forgive. No, while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. Somehow, God found a way to forgive us or to offer forgiveness to us while we were still rebelling against him. And this is what we're called to do with our fathers. To offer forgiveness. He may not receive it, just like not all of us receive it from God, but we offer that because it is in offering the forgiveness that we begin to be set free. The author The psalm says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Oh, what joy. God's forgiveness should set us free. It should give us joy. And the problem that the anger and and, uh, division that has been brought into our lives as a result of the way our fathers have treated us sometimes causes a burden, weighs us down, and we tend to put this burden on ourselves instead of fully experiencing the, the, the joy of following Christ's example and following Christ's instructions. And I do wanna say this, every time we talk about forgiveness, I need to say, I am not trying to pressure you into forgiveness. I'm not trying to guilt you into forgiveness. Forgiveness is not some shortcut to healing. It's not something that you do really quick just to get it out of the way. It is a long, painful journey. That is better. It's a better that I want to invite you to, not something I want to guilt you into. And it's better than vengeance. It's better than getting even. It's better than hate and anger. Because that's a burden you don't want to carry. That's a painful life. That's not what God wants for you. Vengeance is not freedom. You could get revenge and you will still feel the burden. Of your hatred and your anger, because when you choose vengeance, you are changing your f- chaining your future to the person that you hate so much. When you choose vengeance, you are actually chaining yourself to the future that you hate, that you dread. Forgiveness is the only way to actually be set free from the pain they caused. I know it's one thing to know you should do it. It's a whole different thing to actually do it. So how do you forgive? Well, it's a journey. Many of you likely, if, if you've dealt with deep father wounds, you probably need some counseling. You need somebody who will help you and walk through the process with you. The good thing is we got a lot of good Christian counselors in Gillette now. So that may be a necessity for you but here's one thing that I've learned has been very helpful for people through the years in learning how to forgive people, whether it's a father or whoever you need to forgive. I think you first have to seek to understand the person you need to forgive. Seek to understand your dad. Maybe your dad did terrible things, but I think it's helpful for you to contemplate why did he do those things? whoever hurt you, whatever they did to you, ask yourself, why did they do this? And not to justify what they did. You're not gonna justify sin. But you have to get to the point where you can see why they did. Because here's what you're gonna realize. They're screwed up. They're broken. They are sinful, just like all of us are. Every single person who has ever hurt you, has ever sinned against you, is a sinful human being. Because with our dads, what happens is we look up at them. We respect them. God put within us this desire to honor them. And so we are always looking up to them. But when we begin to see them for the broken, sinful human being that they are, we be, they, be, they begin to lower in our perception of them. And it doesn't mean we honor them anymore, but we recognize that they're operating out of sinfulness. Sin breaks relationships. And when you begin to see your dad or whoever hurt you as a sinful person, then you can almost get to the point where you can pity them. Which I think is a helpful step. To to, to see them as not somebody who has power over you anymore because they don't anymore. You are a new creation. You are a new person. You are now, now no longer just their child. You are now a child of the heavenly father, the perfect heavenly father. So you've removed their power over you You've gotten to the point where you can pity them or see them as a sinful, broken human being. And I think now you're in a position to where you can finally forgive them. That doesn't mean all your emotions will change. Forgiveness is much more an action of faithfulness, of obedience, than it is about an emotional change. You forgive them. Many times you're going to have to forgive over and over And over again, you're going to have to do it out of obedience way before you feel a change and you forgive. I'd like to conclude by reading a passage that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. This is Romans 12, 17 through 21. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Conquer evil by doing good. I think that is one of the most misunderstood ideas in the evangelical church. We think that we win battles with physical strength, by outvoting people, by overpowering people, by outshouting people. But what are the fruit of the Spirit? Fruit of the Spirit means result of being in relationship with God. What are the results of being in relationship with God? It's listed for us. Here's the results. Love, joy, peace, patience. Does this list sound, sound or look a lot like how we are tempted to react to people that have hurt us, to fight back, to punch back, to get even. No, the fruit of the Spirit are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Let that define us. Let that define how we react to those who hurt us how we love people who did not show love to us because that's who we're called to be. That is our new identity. It's who we are. Today, we're going to sing a song about running to God when we are so tempted to fight those around us. Instead, we run to God, follow his instruction.